You are listening to ReachMD XM233, the channel for medical professionals. Everyone knows someone affected by type 1 diabetes. How close are we to a cure? Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I am your host, attorney and Dr. Bruce Bloom, Chief Science Officer of Partnership for Cures, a nonprofit that funds the testing of existing therapies for new diseases. And my guest is Dr. Jerry Nadler, Professor of Medicine, Chief of the Division of Endocrinology and Metabolism, and Director of the Diabetes and Hormone Center of Excellence at the University of Virginia School of Medicine in Charlottesville, Virginia. Dr. Nadler and I are discussing his type 1 diabetes research, looking for a two-drug cure. Dr. Nadler, welcome to ReachMD. Thank you. Happy to be with you today. So you and your colleagues published research in 2006 in which you halted the progression of type 1 diabetes or in some cases reversed it. How were you able to do that? Well, we were actually used a new approach where we used a combination of medications in a very relevant animal model of type 1 diabetes. So we used a combination, one medication called lysophylline helps stop the autoimmune inflammatory destruction of the insulin-producing cells. And then we also added to it another medication called Exendin-4, which is very similar to a medication already on the market called Bieta. And Exendin-4 actually increases the growth of insulin-producing cells. So we used the combination with the hope of not only halting the further destruction of the insulin cells, but actually allowing them to regenerate. And we were very excited to see that we were able to do that. And this research was carried out in mice. Can you describe these mice and how close they are to the human type 1 diabetes? The mouse model that we used is called the NOD mouse, the non-obese diabetic mouse. It's a model that is commonly used to simulate human type 1 diabetes. These mice, particularly the females, at a certain age develop inflammatory damage and autoimmune damage to their insulin-producing cells, and eventually they completely destroy their insulin-producing cells, and unless you give them insulin, they will perish, very similar to the situation in human type 1 diabetes, where you get immune autoimmune destruction of the cells and, and need to use insulin. Are there lots of animals that sort of get type 1 diabetes like humans do? Good question. In rodents, there are two models, the NOD mouse that we just talked about, and then also there's a rat model called the BB rat. And the BB rat, very similar to the NOD mouse, develops spontaneous type 1 diabetes. Now, unfortunately, when you move up to other animals, larger animals, none of the larger animal models develop spontaneous type 1 diabetes until you get to humans. So most people test their new therapies in these mouse or rat models and then hopefully try them out in the clinic and hopefully see beneficial results. Talk a little bit about the lysophylline. How does that work? A lysophylline is a small molecule. It's a, it's a drug that actually works in a fairly specific manner at the concentrations that we've used it at to stop the signaling of a certain cytokine pathway called interleukin-12. And interleukin-12 is a cytokine pathway that triggers the early phases of the autoimmune destruction of the insulin-producing cells. So when you give lysophylline, it, it, in other words, kind of cools down the immune system in a very specific way. So it's not a general immunosuppressant, but reduces the immune pathways that are linked to the damage to the beta cells. So that's 
how we've uh, utilized it in this particular mouse study, and we hope to be able to move forward in the future with this type of approach. And when the mice get lysophylline, do they have any other side effects that we'd have to be careful with? We actually didn't see any side effects in the mice given the lysophylline. We, we gave the lysophylline by what they call an osmotic mini-pump, so the mice got the lysophylline under the skin and it was absorbed that way, and they got continuous delivery of the drug for a period of approximately one month. Lysophylline actually has been in the clinic. It's an interesting story that that medication was being developed by another company for a totally unrelated indication and has been tested in humans through safety trials as well as all the way through phase three clinical trials and actually had no major safety issues. So we're very excited that we might be able to reutilize this medication in a purpose to help people with diabetes. So these findings in the mice give us real hope for humans. How far off are we from actually getting it into human type 1 diabetic patients? Good question. What we're trying to do now, the lysophylline that's approved right now, allowed to go to clinic, is an intravenous form, which is it's not very convenient to use for studies and for clinical trials in people. So what we've been doing with some funding from several foundations we were taking the lysophylline that's currently in its intravenous formulation and converting it to a subcutaneous delivery system so that we can give it in a more convenient manner to people with type 1 diabetes. So we hope to start the first clinical trial of this new subcutaneous formulation of lysophylline by the early fall, and we'll probably do that in normal volunteers just to make sure that the subcutaneous form is not irritating and can be delivered as we expect and hope. Once that uh, occurs, that could be a very quick trial. We hope potentially by December or January to hope to start an early trial in people with type 1 diabetes. So we may not be that far off. You said before that you gave the lysophylline to the mice for a month and then you stopped. Were those mice cured then forever or just while they were taking the drug? We'd probably be overly optimistic if we, we said that the mice were cured forever. But we were very excited that if we started the therapy within the first week of the mice becoming diabetic, and this is a combination therapy of the Excendin and the lysophylline, we continued the therapy for one month, and approximately 70 to 80% of the mice had their blood sugars returned to normal. In those mice, when we were able to stop the medication, we were very excited to see that for a period of up to three months, that's how long we've studied them so far, they were able to have the diabetes reversed and did not come back. So as part of the funding that we have now from the foundations as well as the American Diabetes Association, we're hoping to carry out the studies to see just how long they are, are quote, cured or reversed. We don't know that answer yet, but we hope it'll be a long time. Are there other researchers around the country working on similar types of dual drug treatments? It's now catching on that people are realizing that in order to come up with an effective functional cure for type 1 diabetes, that it'll take several approaches. One approach, it will be to safely stop the body from targeting those insulin-producing cells, and then another approach to help the body to form or regenerate the cells. So in animal models, people are, and other investigators are now using their approaches to try to attempt this. What we feel is fairly unique in our approach is that we're, we're not using an antibody to stop the immune system from destroying the cells. We're actually using a small molecule or a drug, and that offers some great opportunities in the future for more continuous therapy and ease of use. So 
The answer is we are looking at uh, an accommodation approach. Other people are as well and we feel our approach is, is fairly unique. You are listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM233, the channel for medical professionals. I am attorney Dr. Bruce Bloom, Chief Science Officer of Partnership for Cures, and I'm speaking with Dr. Jerry Nadler from the University of Virginia School of Medicine, who's describing his exciting type 1 diabetes research. So something that sort of went by me and I've now been thinking of, so you're talking about giving these drugs to a mouse and later on a human, and then they'll be able to control their own insulin. Does that mean that even if people have been diabetics for a long time, that their pancreas is still producing beta cells? That's a good point. The work of Dr. Peter Butler and his colleagues at the Mayo Clinic and also UCLA have shown a very exciting finding, and this was just uh, replicated at the recent diabetes meetings from several other groups, that in fact people with type 1 diabetes are continuing to try to regenerate their own insulin-producing cells, but unfortunately, the autoimmune process, the immune system, continues to target those cells. They get destroyed just as fast as they're made. So it offers opportunities in the future that if somebody can come up with a safe way of stopping the body from destroying the person's insulin-producing cells, that somebody with type 1 diabetes can then regenerate their cells and hopefully then allow their body to produce insulin. The process, however, is likely to be fairly slow in people so that in somebody who has long-term type 1 diabetes and they produce very little of their own insulin, it's likely that a combination approach will be needed, something with a medication such as lysophylline as well as something else, another medication, to help the body jumpstart their own ability to make insulin-producing cells. So tell us what the Extendin 4 does in this process. The Extendin 4 is a small protein which actually help the insulin-producing cells work better. And that's, it's already an approved medication for that purpose in type 2 diabetes. However, there's evidence that shows that Extendin 4 can also increase the growth of insulin-producing cells. So we use this approach of combination of Extendin 4 with lysophylline with the idea of helping the mouse produce more insulin-producing cells. So this is one approach. We don't think that this approach using Extendin 4 is unique, and there probably are other growth factors that may work as good or even better than Extendin 4 in allowing insulin-producing cells to be regenerated. And in our lab, we're actually testing some other possibilities as well. So both the lysophylline and the Extendin 4 are both already approved drugs. Does that make this research particularly exciting in the amount of time it might take to get to patients? Partially, what you said is correct. Extendin-4 is an approved drug for use in type 2 diabetes, so it's uh, repurposing it for another purpose. And there's other growth factors that can be in a similar situation. The lysophylline is actually not an approved drug. It's a drug that has been in the clinic for developing it for a clinical purpose, but it's a drug that can be used in the clinic uh, without too much difficulty. So we hope in partnership with a small pharmaceutical company called Diakine Therapeutics to bring lysophylline into the clinic and hopefully in the future be an approved drug. So right now, lysophylline is not an approved drug yet, but it's approved to move towards clinical trials, whereas Extendin 4 is an approved drug for one indication, and then it could be switched over to this potential new indication. I want to thank Dr. Jerry Nadler at the University of Virginia School of Medicine for sharing his research with us. I am attorney and Dr. Bruce Bloom of Partnership for Cures, a nonprofit that drives cures to patients through repurposing existing therapies for new uses. You've been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM233, 
the channel for medical professionals. For comments and questions, send your emails to xm at reachmd.com. Thank you for listening.